0: Before we get started, a quick disclaimer. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any investment. And with that, hello and welcome to the Rangely Capital Podcast. I'm Andrew Walker, portfolio manager at Rangeley. With me, as always, my co-host and Rangeley's founder, Chris Tameed. Uh Today, we're revisiting the Aaliyah-Abbott merger, and then we're going to turn to a bidding war over at MoneyGram. Uh, let's see. So, Chris, why don't we start with Alir abbott this is a deal that we've mentioned a few times in the past. We haven't mentioned it so far this year, but I think we mentioned it in December, I think back in July. So we've mentioned it a couple times. Uh, just some quick background. So in February of last year, so 14 months ago, Abbott struck a deal to buy a Lear for $56 per share. And then almost immediately, things started falling apart at Lear. At they couldn't file their 2015 10K. In November, they had to basically shut down a pretty big division because they were bidding, billing Medicare for dead people. Uh, they revealed that they were having revenue recognition issues at their Japanese operations. They revealed inappropriate conduct at their Korean subsidiary. I mean, just it started seeming like everything that could go wrong was going wrong. Uh, there was a bunch of lawsuits both ways. Abbott sued Alir, saying that Alir wasn't providing the documentation that Abbott. Uh, Abbott needed to kind of assess all the issues that were going on, while Lear sued Abbott, saying that they were just suing because uh, they were having buyer's remorse, that Abbott wasn't trying to get regulatory approvals, and that Abbott had decided they didn't want the deals to go through, so they were going to try every way they could to get out of this. Uh, A lot of people were watching this this case, seeing if this was going to be the first time ever a judge was going to let a public company buyer get out of a contract on a material adverse change clause. Uh, Then on Friday, the two sides reached an agreement that dismissed the lawsuits, reaffirmed Abbott's commitment to uh, buying Alir, and cut the deal price from $56 per share to $51 per share. And both company stocks actually responded well on the news. Uh, Alir stock was up about 16% from $42 to $49. Abbott stock was actually up 1%, kind of beating the market a little bit. Uh, So Chris, turn it over to you.
1: What do you think about all of this kind of Alir abbott deal drama? It was a much smaller uh, cut than I expected. Um I thought they were gonna recut it somewhere in the upper forties. I think I had been saying forty-seven plus or minus two or three dollars. So this was a great new contract. For a Lear, uh, in addition to the new price, uh, clearly it updates the dates on all of the reps, warranties, and standard for materiality. So all of the ways you could get out as a buyer become very difficult. It's actually now a fairly tight deal uh, as uh, the, reflected by the change in the market price.
0: Yeah, and I was a little surprised. So the headline is 56 to 51. That's a $550 million cut, which mm-hmm. you know is obviously not, not nothing. But when you know back in April, Abbott went to Lear and said, "Hey, why don't we get, just give you guys thirty to fifty million dollars and call this whole thing off?" And Lear kind of laughed them out, uh, laughed them out of the uh, the house, and said, "Absolutely not! Like we've got the signed contract." But if you kind of look at it, like Abbott offered fifty million to walk away. Most people thought a Lear stock would fall to around thirty if this deal mm-hmm. broke. So from thirty to fifty-one dollars is still a two billion dollar premium, and they got a. You know, they went from two and a half billion to two billion dollars. So, just the bid ask there seems so wide for everything that was going on. Like, hey, fifty million to walk away. Okay, never mind. We'll give you two two billion dollar premiums. The way I kind of think about it. So, I'm just really surprised because it seemed like Alir was just deteriorating, and Abbott didn't take much to kind of shift over to uh, to re sign this contract.
1: On one hand, based on public information that we have access to, it definitely looks like they could have gotten a bigger cut. It looks to me like it was a material adverse effect, uh, durationally significant, uh, important to their future financial uh, performance. Uh, that one might assume, and um, maybe it's just I, we haven't defined it. Material adverse clause is
0: something al- that allows you to break a merger contract yes. in the event that it can't be. Oh, you missed. You thought we thought you were going to do a dollar in earnings per share, and you did ninety nine cents. It has to be. Hey, the government cracked down on your business. You know, you sell cigarettes, and they ban cigarettes completely. Yeah, it has to be something material, significantly duration. So that's what we're talking about here. No company's ever
1: gotten out on it, and we thought Alir might have been the first case. My rule of thumb is two years, but it really has to be over the course of years and a 5 or a 10% impact. It can't be a 1% or 2% and, uh, normal market fluctuation. And,
0: and Medicare shutting down a subsidiary, which was doing 5% of their revenue and Medicare completely shutting it down for billing
1: dead people. I mean, that seemed to be the definition of a material adverse event. I, I, I would think so. And in addition, you have a contract. There's a lot of other ways out. Uh, for some reason in the press, it always fixates on that clause. I would also say you have reps and warranties that if you're the on the other side, you can simply keep maintaining have not been satisfied yet. And if you have late filings, you can simply say, this doesn't live up to your representations. Uh, and then you can get to a walk date and walk and uh, wait for litigation and On a cash deal, too, you can really say, uh, you know, you have very strong hands to recut uh, harshly. This was not a uh, harsh recut. Maybe Allier is performing better than we know. Maybe there's a cleaner route to uh, solving some of these problems. There are manifold sins and wickedness, which they have committed basically from the day this deal was announced. Every few weeks, it sounds like there's some new problem. Um, But our whole system, on the other hand, even though this looks like a very benign settlement, on the other hand, I'd say our whole system Favors settlement. Uh, there's high nominal costs to litigation, but also really high negative externalities to litigation. A lot of embarrassing things can come out that neither side wants. Uh, Abbott's current management does not necessarily really want to rub Lear's nose in to how awful they are. That is not a great look for Abbott's uh, CEO. You know, uh, uh, he, he was kind of pot committed in terms of his reputation, uh, and at the same time, judges really push for settlements. They're not M and A specialists in terms of the. Maneuver- of the value of the company. Mm-hmm. So they're picking exactly where that line is on a material adverse change. I think they like the opacity. I think that they like pushing it back to the companies to reach a settlement. So, how do you do that? If you're a judge, you scare both sides. Maybe Abbott was legitimately scared. Yeah, yeah, I, I think those are all great points. And then I think, uh,
0: you know, I do think one thing is. Abbott CEO, I think you make a great point that he was a little bit pot committed. You know, the day the deal's announced, he comes out and he says like, I can't believe we didn't think of, Uh, almost direct quote is, I can't believe we didn't do this deal sooner. Mm -hmm. Like this company is a perfect strategic fit. This makes all the sense in the world. And if you're putting out all those quotes and then two weeks later, you're trying to get, you're trying to back out of a deal as fast as you can. Like it doesn't look great on you as a capital allocator, as a CEO, it starts reflecting poorly on the board that they have faith in you. Like I I think it has a lot of issues. So for him to be able to Cut this deal. Say, hey, you know, now we're getting really the best price. Uh, we all the, this this still makes all the strategic sense in the world. We just wanted to make sure, like, everything was in order. I think reputationally for him, it makes the most sense. And maybe uh, Alier was able to hold him over a barrel by stringing him both with his words and how this would play out for him if he continued to drag this through.
1: Absolutely, my favorite part of this whole situation is how amusing it is to me how fast verbiage changes depending upon the circumstance. You know, people have a lot of. Sense that there's some kind of um, emotional connection to a deal or not. But really, in game theory, just cooperative behavior is just the shadow of the future. If you have a long future, you have a lot of future to play out. You have a lot of reasons to be nice. Uh, when the deal was first announced, it was very friendly, almost modeling friendly language. And then when they ran into their gauntlet of problems, the buyer's CEO was really fierce. He said, I'm going to make their employees' lives a living hell. And then as soon as he started to talk recut, it softened dramatically mm-hmm. over the last few months. Uh, really, made it qualitatively, you know, there's some problems. Quantitatively, this this deal made a lot of sense. And then, really going back to the original language, and then again, now that we are going to work together, now it's friendly language again. So, you know, the same person talking about the same company and the same people who did the same things. As long as there's more future, there's more cooperation. When it didn't look like there's a future, no cooperation. Yep, perfect.
0: Why don't we turn over to uh, Ant Financial MoneyGram? Hopefully, that's the last time we'll t- talk about Abbott and Alira. I wish them just smooth sailing to getting this new recut. I, I, I don't
1: want any of their lives to be a living hell. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, so let's turn over to uh, Ant Financial MoneyGram. So uh, back in January, MoneyGram, this is the international payment transfer company. You've probably seen them at a lot of corner stores. They're the big competitor to Western Union. Uh, they reached a deal to be acquired by Ant Financial for $13.25 mm-hmm. per share. Now, Ant Financial is the big financial services arm of the Chinese internet giant uh, Alibaba. They're actually two separate companies, but they're both controlled by Alibaba chairman Jack Ma, and they're very much intertwined. Uh, so, you know, deals announced in January. It's a pretty nice premium. And then in late March, European payment giant Euronet comes and offers $15.20 per share in cash. And as part of the bid, they highlight all the normal things. You know, the combined company will be stronger. We have more synergies with the company. But a big piece of it is not only the monetary superiority of the bid, but they also highlight the fact that their bid is much more likely to close than Ant Financial's bid, given given C- concerns, and they specifically call out uh, Donald Trump not wanting Chinese deals. That was specifically highlighted in a lot of their press releases. So they're not going just with the monetary superiority of their big, but they're going with the SIFIS concerns. I think one of the reasons they were highlighting the SIFIS concerns is because they knew Ant Financial had almost unlimited resources to raise their bid. Sure enough, today Ant raises their bid to $18 per share. Massive 64% premium to where uh, MGI's price was just below $11 before the original deals were announced. On the heels of that bid, it's kind of looking like Euronet is going to walk away. Uh, Chris, I wanted to turn it over to you. What do you think about what's
1: going on here? Does the deal make sense? What do you think about the CIFI's concerns? All that. Well, it sure makes a heck of a lot of sense for MoneyGram uh, and MoneyGram owners. Uh, if, from the perspective of Ant Financial, I think it makes sense in the Chinese sense of making sense. Some economics, but also of strategic value to owning and controlling the asset. Plus, it's IP. I don't think that they want to, heading into Civious Review, kind of fully uh, explicate how much this makes sense from a political perspective and will really focus on the economics. Um, I, I think it's marginal from a narrow economics uh, perspective. It's very fully priced here, uh, as these often are after a competitive process. Whenever I'm the high bidder of an auction, the auctioneer always says, congratulations. And my reaction is always, oh, no, I should be congratulating you. Well, auction winners re- really yeah. should be
0: and I think that's a great point. And you know, the way you really know it is if Euronet, Euronet was highlighting they are the best strategic bidder with the most synergies. Yep. And if you come out with a price and Euronet says we can't top that, you've probably paid a very full price. Now maybe, uh, maybe they're underestimating the IP's value. Maybe the IP has separate values from the the pure operational synergies to uh, a Chinese internet conglomerate. You know, uh, but you've probably paid a very full price if they're pulling the plug on this. I think so. Yeah. Uh, what about the Sifis concerns? Do you think the Sifis concerns are real? You know, I, I thought it was very interesting. I, I really, you know, you'll you'll see people talking about certainty to close bid, but I I have not seen a company go specifically at. Donald Trump does not want this to get bought. I thought that w- there were some very interesting quotes in the Euronet language.
1: Yeah, there's this huge orange cloud hanging over the deal. <laughs> uh, but, of course, that cloud could be hanging over the deal in both perspectives. Uh, you know, I would say top Chinese businessmen like Jack Ma, who I think very highly of, are tautologically able to manage autocrats and cronyism. You know they know they they've seen Donald Trumps and they've dealt with Donald Trumps their whole mm-hmm. lives. Uh, there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of people in the Donald Trump vein in uh, upper echelons of the uh, PRC uh, party cadre, and uh, I think Jack Ma uh, uh, didn't get to where he is by some accident or a uh, quirk. Uh, and so he, I think, was very dexterous at dealing with Trump. I expect he'd continue to be. So I'm not sure which way it cuts. It might cut in his favor. Yeah, and Jack
0: Ma, uh, I believe he has a good relationship with Donald Trump. Yep. I know
1: uh, Alibaba has, it
0: has ties to SoftBank, which obviously has a great relationship with Donald Trump. They mm-hmm. promised that trillion-dollar relationship that – Uh, he put up on his Twitter. So clearly they've got... If they don't directly have good ties to him, they've clearly got great ties to them. And one thing that Euronet was not talking about that a lot of people thought Euronet buying MoneyGram could actually be an antitrust concern. So while Euronet was over there highlighting SIFI's concerns with Ant Financial, they were kind of downplaying some real antitrust risk that I think if uh, Ant Financial had decided oh, you know, maybe we can't go above. If uh, if Euronet was going to go up to 16 maybe we can't go too far above 16 Ant Financial could have really hammered home the antitrust risk. But given the $18 per share bid, it's not looking like uh, it's going to be too much. Do you think, you know, Euronet's press release today sounded pretty defeated to me. Do you think they're really gone? Or do you think they're kind of maybe waiting to see one more quarters of results and they'll come with a last second bid before uh, the shareholder vote?
1: One thing you can always uh, test is... Uh, the language had a lot of past tense to it. Yeah. Tense actually in people's memories and in their writing is very revealing in what they're thinking about and I think they looked a little bit like this was a post-mortem. I would say they really should be gone from an economic perspective. Uh, I doubt they should, could, would do a premium to eighteen. However, if this deal runs into trouble and the spread blows out and it's trading at 13 or 14 bucks again, then they could come in with a tighter contract at 16 with very specific antitrust approvals. Clearly both sides, if you look at the verbiage are plain this political game each other against each other on uh, CFIUS grounds and on employment grounds. I believe, unless I'm mistaken, that Jack Ma is currently the high bidder on how many jobs he said he's going to provide Trump in this administration. Was Jack Ma the one you promised I, I a million was, jobs? I believe it was the largest uh, 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 number, or certainly very, very large.
0: I, he's uh, no longer the highest bidder because I'm going to break news on our podcast. I am pledging 10 million jobs In the future, no definitive timeline, no plans to get there, but I'm pledging 10 million. Breaking news, I'm the high bidder, Chris. The only
1: problem is we're going to have to work multiple jobs because pretty soon (laughs) this is going to be more than the number of citizens in the United States. We'll have
0: to think of creative ways to hit up 10 million jobs. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Euronet's gone. I think once kind of the corporate deal momentum to getting something dies like this, I I struggle to see them coming back Mm -hmm. over the top. Unless, as you said, there are issues with this bid. I thought Ant Financial did something very smart, where uh, as part of their increased bid. And look when you when you top someone's fifteen dollar bid with an eighteen dollar bid, you can get a lot. But I thought they did some very smart things, and they increased the breakup fee. So yep. if EuroNet comes, they're actually they'll have to pay more to uh, buy them just because MoneyGram has to pay more money to Ant Financial if they decide to go with the superior mm-hmm. bid. So that even increases the price to outbid Ant Financial by a little more. So I thought that was smart. Uh Chris I think that's all the time we have for today do you do you have any last thoughts here None. Have we had, I thought you had something maybe to talk about on our Korean subsidiaries. Oh, I would just like
1: to disclose that we have, uh, we have uh, between the two of us, no inappropriate behavior at our Korean subsidiary. Our Japanese subsidiary might have
0: something going on, but not our Korean subsidiary like Lear. Okay. So all the time we have for today, before we hit our disclosures, just a quick reminder. If you like this podcast, the best way to get more of them is to recommend us to a friend and get them to start listening. You know, having more listeners really encourages us to keep taping this podcast disclosures. Chris, and I are not long any of the stocks that we talked about today. Chris, correct me if I'm wrong. Give me a look. nope. Not long anything. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday.